What's up, everybody? Thanks again for stopping by for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener of the show, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod, on YouTube at March 4th Pod, on TikTok at March 4th Podcast. The links to all my stuff are in the podcast description for this episode. So if you made it here, that means you found us somehow. And I truly appreciate each and every one of you checking out another edition of the March 4th with Mike Baum and Podcast. I hope everybody's doing well, man. It's been a great start to the year for me personally. And uh, I'm really looking looking forward to uh, to uh, turning 36. Actually, it's it's kind of crazy. Some people, I don't know, they, they get older and uh, they start to be conscious of their mortality, which is natural, I guess. But but for me, I'm 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 pretty happy, dude. You know, I'm in decent shape mentally, physically, spiritually. Uh, you know, I like to imbibe every now and again, but I'm taking good care of myself, and uh, the show's going well. And and more than any of the stuff that I do, man, as far as this podcast or whatever, you know, it, having the family and the friends that I do, having the inner circle that I have, you know, being able to make the kind of friendships and connections that I've made doing this show, those are the things that are the most important to me. So I'm grateful for my genetics that I <laughs> I still have a full head of hair at, uh, you know, nearly 36 years old. I'm not trying to rub that into anybody out there who may have lost theirs, RIP. Um, but yeah, man, like I'm, I'm grateful that I, I, you know, I don't look my age, I think. Um, but, but more than anything, man, I'm just, I'm just happy to be alive. I'm happy to be here to, uh, to tell my story, to share other people's stories. The older that I get, the more I really realize that, that every day really is a gift, man. You know, uh, we, we don't know uh, when, when our, our next day is going to be our last. So making the most of your time while you're here. And doing your best to just be the best version of yourself every single day is truly the most important thing. And how you treat people. You know, it's not about caring what people think of you as far as do they like me? Do they not like me? Does he like me or she like me? But in terms of leaving a legacy behind where it's like, yeah, I know Mike. He's a he's a good dude. That's what's important to me. You know what I'm saying? Those two things are different. Doing things because you want people's approval versus just carrying yourself in a manner that you know, is, is kind and accountable and, uh, you know, and brave, you know, and that's one thing that I've struggled with is just bravery, pushing through fear, pushing through anxiety, going after the things that I love. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I'd like to think over these past few years, especially the challenges that have arisen in my life that, uh, by the grace of God and, and that support system that I mentioned, um, um, as strong as I've ever been truly. So, as I approach my 36th birthday, man, I, uh, I'm a little reflective, but um, I'm, gonna, I'm excited to be here, man. And, and I'm excited, again, for, for all of you who tuned into the show. And, and once again, I thank you all for being here, man. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my buds in Tropic Bombs, uh, not only to, to Ryan, who is expecting his first baby with his wife, Mandy. Congrats, you guys. But they also hit their Kickstarter goal for their upcoming record and board game. Uh, with gatefold packaging and like so many cool things, man. I, and I, I was happy to support it and be a part of it. I can't wait till it comes out. So shout out to those guys. 
and uh, shout out to them having their first baby and growing their family. You know, that, that music that you hear in terms of in between the interview and the intro music to the show, that's all Tropic Bombs. And uh, Ryan is, is, you know, he's salt of the earth, truly, man. He's, he's one of my favorite people and I'm, I'm blessed to call him a friend and I'm so happy for him and his wife, Mandy, expecting their first kid, man. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that they got married almost nine years ago. I remember going to that wedding like it was yesterday and it's just time is a trip, man. But, but yeah, I'm really grateful. And, and, and again, to everybody who's listening and maybe this week's guest brought you here and this is the first time you've listened to the show, but anytime anybody takes the time to listen to the show, if you engage with my, with my content on Instagram or you know, TikTok or YouTube. If you take the time to like and subscribe, all those things go a really long way in, in helping the pod get out to more people, man. So if you do like what you hear, please take the time to tell a friend to tell a friend and do those things. Uh, because as much as I hate begging for them, they do help the show grow and it's been cool to see it grow and and to see where it's going. And and speaking of, of seeing where things are going, man, uh, this dude is uh, a really, really kind down to earth cat. Um, we were fortunate enough to come into contact with each other uh, late. Well, I should say actually mid, I think it was mid 2023. Shout out to to Johnny Circle over at High, High Road Publicity, man. He's been a big supporter of the show and he got me in touch with this dude. And as I dove more and more into his work, I discovered more things about him. And it just it just speaks to his humility. And you guys will hear that in this conversation. He is none other than Max Gabriel. Max is a producer and songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee, where I am. And uh, he, he you know, spent a lot of time growing up playing the piano. In fact, from 1991 to 02, he studied classical piano at the McGill Conservatory of Music of McGill University in Montreal and, you know, literally learned from one of the, the modern greats as far as piano is concerned and then as you guys will hear in this conversation, man, he got to a point in his life where, you know, he had kind of the nine to five thing going and had a steady job, a steady paycheck, and then decided, man, like, I love music so much that if I don't take this opportunity and I don't take this chance, you know, I, I don't know when it's ever going to happen. And he came down to Nashville not knowing really anybody. I think he didn't know anybody. And it was back in, I, I, my memory serves me from a conversation. It was, it was over a decade ago now. I think it was around 2011, 2012. He came to Nashville and has really made a name for himself, man. And again, Max is, is a humble cat. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk his ish for him. But in terms of credits, uh, like I said, he studied you know music, in particular classical piano growing up throughout the 90s and into the early 2000s. Um, he also worked closely with Ryan Kaworski of the group Ryan Dan, and they wrote and produced hit songs for numerous Canadian artists, including Belly, Masari, Mia Martina. They received a Juno, a Juno nomination for Dance Recording of the Year for, for the work on Mia Martina's album Devotion, and then Max loves songwriting that, like I said, he eventually decided to take that leap of faith, make the move to Nashville. And since he's been here, man, he's he's done so much, dude. But uh, among those credits are working with artists like, you know, members from Three Doors Down, Megan Maroney, Radney Foster, the list goes on. There have also been placements uh, from work that he's done because of his love of film and and wanting to write for tv and film 
he's had he's had songs that have been placed in shows like Yellowstone, which I'm sure you've heard of, um, CMT's Nashville, Roswell, New Mexico, Legacies, True Blood, The Mindy Project. Uh, got it from my mama, from Danny Rose, which at the time I think was Honey County, had one billion views on TikTok and counting. I mean, so this dude has a lot of credits under his belt, and I think. Again, I've said it a couple of times already, and you'll hear it in this conversation. One of the coolest things about him is that you wouldn't know that. You know, Max is is as as talented as they come, but he's he's also one of the most humble and gracious and down to earth guys that I've ever met. You know, with all the projects that he's working on, and I know recently there's been a lot um, that he shared on his Instagram from like, you know, the aforementioned Danny Rose, Courtney Red. Um, Danny just did a cover of Burden in My Hand from Soundgarden that they even shared. Uh, such a sick cover, I digress. But uh, but he's somebody who doesn't speak about all this stuff. He doesn't show off. And I think that's what's really cool about him. And, um, and, and I just feel really fortunate that our paths crossed and that he took the time, you know, um, in the midst of his wife coming home and, and, and you know, raising his kids and everything and, and, and his busy schedule, producing all the hits and all the awesome placements that I just mentioned to to speak on this podcast to me and share with me and you all a little bit about uh, his journey and his story. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Max Gabriel. Here it is. Yeah, man, the creepy robot lady. Well, Max, um, I really appreciate the time, man. Even even shooting the breeze with you before we officially hit record. Uh, you're you're good people, and I'm not just saying that because you're kind enough to come on March fourth with me. But um, just having our paths cross, man. Like um, I feel like uh, not from a musical ability perspective because I can barely play four chords, but just for a shared love of the art of music. Um, it's been cool getting ready for this. Even digging more into kind of your background and stuff, man. Um, but where I where I kind of wanted to start with you in the time we have, dude, is uh I I know you started playing piano at a at a really young age. Was that something that you were drawn to? Like um or 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 like what was your your first er, you know your earliest musical memory? That's usually where I kind of like to ask people, especially somebody that's that's kind of touched as many genres and has done as much work as you have. Like do you remember the first time it really grabbed you? It's a really good question because that's really what start. Funny enough, that's what started it all for me was piano, uh, and it's probably my my earliest memories of music. Uh, my my mom hired a piano teacher uh, to come and not to teach us piano or I and say us because I'm one of three well four boys. We were I have three brothers. Um, and we all had piano lessons and we all played piano at one point. Um, but when I was, I believe I was six or seven years old, um, I started, um, she hired a teacher, he would come to the house and we were not at the stage where we were able to sit down and concentrate um, to play or to actually sit and focus to learn any technique. So what she had him do was just play his repertoire and he would play, you know, Chopin and Beethoven and 
all these beautiful pieces and he would and but he would they he would allow us to sit next to him and just bang on the piano while he played all these incredible compositions and we and, and pieces and we it i think that was part of the joy was that it wasn't a forced a discipline type of thing where it was like this beautiful moment to enjoy music but to actually see it being played and performed uh without the pressure and uh everything that came with that to try to learn it or 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 learn learn the basics right away it was more just a pre music appreciation in a sense um and i and I, apparently i have vague memories of that but apparently we did that for an entire year um before we even had a formal life <laughs> Uh, and I say we again, I'm talking about my, me and my brothers, because we all started kind of around the same time. Um, and uh, shortly after that, um, I got a uh, a teacher at McGill Conservatory of Music in Montreal, which is where I grew up. Um, and that's that conservatory is a pretty renowned one in Canada. It's it's beautiful. It's very it's got a lot of history. Um, McGill University is a very well-known and respected university in Canada. Um, and uh, their their music school and their conservatory is attached to it. And it's also pretty prestigious. And we were just lucky that it was, we lived in that city that had that. Um, so started, I started taking lessons there and that was the start of it all. Like just classical piano, learning scales all that stuff but yeah my earliest memory is banging on the piano and my and my mom played a lot too uh she was a great she's a great player she still plays she's still alive and um she would she wanted us to have a piano she wanted us to play piano um and that's where it all started so it was an intro of her her love for it but but it wasn't like the pressure of like oh you're going to be the next whoever it was just like hey i want i want to expose you guys to this because i think this is awesome and then you ended up taking to it yeah it was it was um low pressure to no pressure at the beginning however as soon as as soon as my my mom discovered that i had some sort of ability or natural uh you know, it, it was coming naturally to myself and my brothers. Um, she, the the attitude changed a little bit, and it became more. Uh, there there was more pressure added on. Um, we she wanted us to have one of the best teachers that she could find, um, and you know there was a there was a pretty strict practice regime regimen. Um, we had to, I think she wanted us to practice at least an hour a night. And it was usually before or after homework. Um, but it was tough because there was, I had three brothers, we were all playing at the same time and everybody needed their practice time. I mean, there was one piano. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of difficult to figure that out. But, um, but yeah, we, we just, that, that's where, you know, the regular practicing came in and a lot of questions over the years came up after that like why are we spending so much time on piano when there's so many other extracurricular activities we could be doing with sports you name it you know whatever it may be um and 
yeah, it, it became a little bit more stressful, I think. And I didn't enjoy that side of it. Uh, rehearsal recitals. Also, I hated recitals. I think I didn't like it because my there was a very close proximity that everybody sat in the at the recitals where they could watch you really close. And any error you'd make was pretty obvious and pretty noticeable. And I think I became a little I think I've always maybe been a perfectionist, but at the time too, like I wanted to execute every every piece I played um you know uh without error and 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 uh, you know you you, you have this pressure sometimes uh, in my family like was I was always trying to make my dad proud or to make my mom feel proud and happy with with my with my work and my whatever it was and piano was something that uh and music was something my mom loved so so dearly so I think it was it was um more you know there was more pressure added on because of that uh so all that compiled was uh made it made it a little bit more stressful made it less enjoyable uh however it didn't diminish my um my love for the for the instrument or music in general it just it just uh it changed the my perspective a little bit maybe and how was it working with uh I don't want to butcher her last name. I feel like I'm Deese with uh with uh pronunciations, but Marina. Yeah. Um yeah, Marina's correct. Um it's a Russian name. She so that was that was actually what changed that changed everything for me. Um because she was um she was a world class pianist, um, you know, competition winner, you know, uh was under she she was judged by some contemporary um uh comp- composers that are you know regarded today as legends and and you know up there with the beethovens and all that so having somebody like that as your mentor is pretty intimidating but uh it it, it was very eye opening and uh, to to give you the biggest contrast so i had done maybe from the age of maybe eight till I was, I want to say 13, 14, I, I, I was taking lessons at the conservatory and, you know, at a high level. And I thought that I was on par. I thought that it was kind of progressing at the right rate. You know, <laughs> you think you're, you know, oh, you know I, I'm playing my scales properly and I am understanding how to read properly, you know, all the things that come with piano, playing the piano. Uh, and the technique, technical part, and the theory part. Um, and the first lesson I had with her, I first of all I had to audition to have her as a teacher. So she wasn't the type of teacher where you could just hire her. You had to present yourself, play something for her, and she basically would decide if you're worth teaching. <laughs> so if you butchered whatever you played, or you played with no feeling or no emotion, or she felt like it was a waste of time for you to pursue music, she would not teach you. She would just say, no, I'm not interested in teaching this person. There's no point. <laughs> so yeah. it was pretty, There, it was very stressful. I, I, I was pretty stressed because I did want to continue piano. Um, at that point, all my siblings dropped out because they just didn't care enough at that point. They didn't want to, they didn't want the pressure. They didn't want the extra work. Um, but I really loved piano uh, still at that point. I wanted to keep pursuing it. Um but I was worried because I, I was, you know, wanting to impress this person, and 
uh, still have a great teacher and and learn more. So uh, I played for her and she was pretty brutally honest. She she was like, yeah, you, you know, she's like, you've got something. Um, but she wasn't, she didn't like make me feel like I deserved it. She kind of was like, yeah, I can give you, I'm doing you a favor by being, I'll be your teacher, but it's like more of a favor to you. <laughs> so I, I, I was appreciative, but at, at the same time I was nervous and I was kind of worried about it. I was like, Man, I hope this works out. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a long-term thing. Um, and in the first couple lessons, she basically told me that everything I had learned in the last five, six years or however many years I've been playing since I started was all wrong and backwards. Even though I was being taught by her, one of her peers, the same conservatory, and by I was taught by a PhD in piano. So, but she was at a different level. She had a different, you know, it was, she was just very, very disciplined, very intense, very hard, like the hardcore version, like um, of, of, of a piano teacher, the, the most hardcore version you could think of. Um, and she, she made me feel like I had wasted the last five, six years of playing and I knew nothing. She was, she was like, play a scale for me. I played, she's like, no, you're doing that wrong. You're doing it. She's like, play an arpeggio. Okay. No, you're not doing that right. She's like, okay, play this. And so all my technique had to be relearned her way, which was oddly enough, it ended up being the, the best outcome because everything she taught me took me way ahead where I was even just a few days before early, like previously. And I, I just, I, um, I didn't see it at the time. I see it now looking back, but at the time I was just like, she's, she's too hardcore. She's just too, too, too intense. And I thought she was exaggerating, but now looking back without her doing that and without me actually realizing that, um, how far behind I was, uh, I would not be the player I am today. And it's not that I'm like a classical pianist today or in like touring the world doing that, but a lot of the a lot of the the technique I, I use in my playing and my understanding comes from her correcting a lot of those things that I wasn't doing correctly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was it was a huge it, it was a huge learning experience and it was a, a big wake up call for me musically and it changed everything from that point on. Uh, the way just my overall understanding of the instrument um, and music in general. What what would you say, Max, was the most valuable, the value most valuable lesson you learned from her that you still apply to this to this day? Whether it's like discipline, um, you know, finding your own voice on the instrument. Like I think it was when when I was checking out your piano tracks, because um, I knew you more from your guitar and your producing, and then uh, it was lost. I was like, dude, he's really he's really singing on on this one. Um, but what was the most valuable lesson that you that you learned from her that like you still use today in all in, in your production? Um that's a really good question as well. Um I I would say I think it's the discipline side of it. Uh being disciplined, not being satisfied. It's not being a perfectionist per se, but it it's just not being satisfied with an average take or an average performance of even if it's two bars of something, you know, a short little passage. 
it just has to be well done it has to be executed correctly and i think um i think it's also uh, the other the other thing probably that goes along with that is just the the way the way you apply the technique because there are so many different there are so many ways you can do one thing in music and if you pick the if you pick you know if you pick the correct one or if you pick the the one that that i've kind of gotten accustomed to you get to the destination quicker like to where you're happy with how it sounds you're happy the way you it feels and you play it um just moving your your you know it's as simple as just moving your uh, hand in a certain way or using a different fingering or just a position of your wrist you know there's there's a it's like a golf swing you know if one thing is off right in a golf swing you don't hit the ball right so I think the same thing applies with with, uh, with lots of instruments, including piano. Uh, you know, if your if your positioning is not right, if your your the angle isn't hundred isn't right, it just comes across in a different way. You can still play it, you can still hit the ball, but it won't necessarily go where you need it to go. And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, man. No, it's cool. It's it's just like uh, I've heard people talk about. I can't remember what. Um what guitarist said it you know because because especially now too i feel like with with all the the technology that's out there people have different DAWs and stuff that they use but you can program all like your own unique sound and i i can't remember who said it but just on that point you made he's like man there, so much gets made of the equipment and the kind of guitar and all that kind of stuff and he goes but I, ultimately at the end of the day he's like it's all in the fingers of that player it's like you could have the best guitar or this pedal or that pedal, but at the end of the day, it's like about that feel, it's, right? Like fingers, it's feel. Yeah. The feeling is what matters, but it's also the, the taste. Taste is everything. Choice of notes, voicings, all that stuff. You know, how many, there's so many different ways to play one chord, you know, what voicing are you going to pick? Are you going to add, you know, a note here, a note there? You, you can, you have so many choices, but you have that moment in that performance to choose the one that works best in that composition. And that's, I think that's what differentiates players and, and musicians. It's like how, what their, their instincts, you know, it's that instinct. Um, and I think you can retrain, you can train your instinct and retrain it. Like moving to Nashville totally changed the way I played even piano, you know? You, really? Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because, you can grow, you know, you grow up and you learn theory and you, you're, you're, you're kind of almost told that the more theory, you know, and the more technique you have, the further you are, you know, so you feel a need to, uh, to, to show off or to, to just put that on display as much as you can to be like, I need validation that I'm great. I need to show you, I can do this. So it's like, you know, I, the ex another an example is like guitar solos right like you have you have guitar solos that just shred the entire time and then you have beautifully kind of crafted ones that sound like they're almost their own melodies their own songs because they they sing they don't just they're not just scales and arpeggios they're 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 their own passages musical passages you know but it's in a solo so i i think nashville i don't know moving here uh, working with session players, I think is what taught me that is because session players have to be very tasteful. Um, even though they can destroy anybody, you know, technically they can, 
rip any solo, play any technique um, better than most people can, they don't do that. Like Derek Wells, great exa great example, incredible virtuoso guitar. His dad, Kent Wells, who's play who's Dolly Parton's producer, um, they're both guitar wizards. You know, they can they can play anything. Van Halen, yeah, I'll figure out the Van Halen solo. Like, how many guys uh -huh. can do that? Not a lot of people. And then and then he's playing, and then they go chicken picking on something. You know, like it, it very 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 talented guys. Um, but Derek is a great example. Like. Uh, he played on some of my songs, some demos of mine and some some tracks, some productions early in, in his earlier days when he was trying to prove himself. Now, as you know, he plays like all the all the Morgan Wallen and Hardy stuff like that's all him. You know, he's even co-producing a lot of that stuff. Um, but in the back in the day, he was cutting his teeth and he was playing just trying to oh, I'll, tr I'll try to play a, some guitar, lead guitar or rhythm guitar on your your demo. You know, he was he was he was doing that. And even a guy like him, like so tasteful i was almost trying to i remember in a session he played on one of my songs and he played the solo and it was just it was a really beautiful sounding solo but i knew he could rip and i was like dude like can you just like go a little crazier and he was and he wanted like he was he gave me a couple passes where and he recorded them like a few different passes of him like going a little bit more to town and like doing some more complex sounding stuff um but you know at the end of the day it wasn't necessarily right for the tune so he was you know the guys who the guys who are good they're tasteful and, and and i think that that just goes a long way in music and it helped me harness almost everything it's like take it back a little bit don't go don't get too flowery don't get too complicated you know like save it for when you need it because some songs need it a little bit here and there you're gonna be a little bit showy but um it's it's especially in commercial music it's not it's all about taste and you've got to like kind of pace yourself and, and, and make sure that you're not overplaying and taking the spotlight away from what matters in that song. Um, so yeah, Nashville, Nashville taught me that. Um, and I think it was like one of the most important lessons as a, especially as a player, as a, a pianist and a guitar player um, it, that, that was like one of the, best lessons for sure that's awesome dude well and and i want to be respectful of your time max I'm, I'm so happy you took the time to 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 speak with me by the way i we talked about it in the beginning but happy belated 40th by the way um Fuck. but uh <laughs> sorry and i and i know and i know you're uh i know <laughs> i don't know if you have to bleed do you uh, like are you allowed to swear on here do you have like a... you can Time flies, man. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 36 in like a month and a half. It's wild, but um, it's almost over for you, man. It's almost it is, dude. It's <laughs> halfway 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 out. Um, <laughs> but I know you're a humble cat, and um, there's a ton of uh, which I'll probably do that in, in the intro of the show. People listening have probably already heard it already, and they can. There's there's a breadth of of credentials, and really what I want to focus on in the time we have left more than um you know, name dropping and stuff and, and that sure. kind of thing. Although I will shout out uh, Danny Rose, because I know as of recording this, her cover of Burden in My Hand from Soundgarden, it, it's freaking awesome. I Chris Cornell is like one of the, one of my favorites. I never got a chance to see him live, unfortunately, the late, great Chris Cornell. But I know that 
uh, I think his wife and his estate still like run their stuff or like his stuff, and they yeah. even shared her cover, which is pretty pretty dope. And you worked on that with her, so kudos to y'all, man. That's really sick. Um, but what I what I kind of wanted to focus on, man, is a guy who has had people that you've worked with that have been in in everything from like Forbes to Rolling Stone, the aforementioned Danny Rose. Um, I know got it from my mom. I had like billion views on TikTok, which is insane when you think about a billion, you know what I mean? Um, And and you've also had stuff that's been placed in TV shows like Yellowstone and gotten to do that, which like you're somebody that's been able to take, you know, that childhood kid who was banging on the piano Mm -hmm. and and turn it into a career. What what advice would you have somebody out there? Maybe not necessarily looking to do that exact same thing, but just what has been essential to you you know, pursuing what you love and having the courage to do it. Cause I know that's something that like, I, I struggle with a little bit is like self-doubt, anxiety, you know, obsessive compulsive tendencies, believing in myself, believing in doing this podcast as somebody who's been able to come to Nashville, yeah. make a name for yourself in the, in the friggin' music city of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you had your work in Canada that you did before that, but like, what, what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe, um, you know, just trying to get out of their own way, you know, um, have you ever struggled with those things like regarding anxiety, self-doubt, like to get where you are, were you always confident as a player or being able to do, do what you're doing for a living as a producer? I know that's kind of a loaded question, but the real question in my rant there is just like, I think just getting out of your own way and having the courage to do what you love. Cause I think so many people have been sold a version of what the American dream is or what success means or a nine to five, a big house, all this stuff. And um, as you mentioned earlier, before we even hit record about how precious time is, you're somebody that has made the most of it from where I'm sitting with your time, man. Well, in, I think everybody, it's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking that. Um, it, it strikes a lot of emotions. Um, it's almost impossible to answer it a hundred percent honestly, because there's so many answers that could be useful to people. Um, in my experience, however, which is the only one I can really shed light on, uh, I, I think just really get ready to suffer, except, except that suffering is part of the journey, comfort, whatever your comfort zone is. I think you just have to sacrifice a lot of it not all of it because that's asking a lot of people and even of myself it's really hard but I had to sacrifice a lot I had to just I had to just risk it I think that a lot of people are afraid of just taking that risk because of the doubt or fears that they have and I don't think that I I don't think that I never had fear or doubt I never concentrated or focused on it. However, I think I always had it in the back of my head, like, okay, yeah, I could fail or I could not be good enough, but I never dwelled on it or focused on it. I kind of said, okay, that's a possibility, but what should I focus on? I need to focus on what am I, what do I need to do to get to where I need to be? And if my nine to five job is in the way, I needed to quit that nine to five job. And I did. I threw I I had actually just gotten a promotion to a sixty seventy thousand dollar a year job uh, in Canada while I was living there, and 
I just had enough. And I said to myself, I'm starting to make waves in, you know, I'm starting to progress in music. But if I keep working this, you know, in this job, and if I, I'm going to get more and more comfortable, I'm going to make more money, and I'm going to get further and further away from my dream. So instead of doing what most people would have done, which is take the promotion, make the money, and have a comfortable and stable life, I quit. I gave my two weeks. I said, I don't want the promotion. I don't want the money. Taking that risk, I I, I did that. I I didn't I didn't take that job. I I gave my two weeks and they were like, are you crazy? Like, what's wrong with you? We we invested all this money in you. And, and I, I, you know, there's so many repercussions to making those decisions. And I know most people are like, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't upset people and my parents and this and like there, there may be so many layers to it. Um, and I just ignored all the layers and I was just like, fuck it. Screw it. I don't I don't care. I need to focus on myself because if I don't do this for myself, nobody's going to do it for me. Uh, and I think that that's the time in life where you need to really concentrate on you and and make those really tough decisions. And I think that's that was the game changer for me. As soon as I quit my job and moved to Nashville with no connections nothing no assets no no money i sold everything i had but i didn't have anything <laughs> i had barely had anything too so i was risking even more it's not like i had a nest egg and i'm like yeah i'll go and i have all this money saved up i'm going to go to nashville and make a career a lot of people are able to do that i i work i work with a lot of people that um that save up a ton of money and then come and do the try to do live their dream i didn't have that luxury even I couldn't do that. I came here. I didn't even own. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have a laptop or a computer. I didn't have a guitar. I left. I had to sell my guitars. I sold my guitars. I sold my equipment. I had no musical equipment when I moved to Nashville about 12 years ago. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, now I don't even, I can't even tell you how many guitars I have and all that. But, <laughs> but I, everybody, everybody's journey is different. Mine was like that where I, my I had to just risk it all and I did it multiple times I didn't that was the first time I did it and I had to do it again because when I moved here and 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 sacrificed everything I was I had my back up against the wall and I needed to get a job like I needed some a part-time job at least and I was like okay well if I work a little bit I can still do music part-time and I can still do I'll work part-time so I can supplement and get some income then I started doing that. And then that, because of I'm such, I'm like, I'm so determined in my work, I kept getting promoted to where I was doing so well in my part-time work that was becoming, becoming full-time. And then that was becoming a promotion to where I was going to make a lot of money. And I had to get, throw that away again. So I did that twice. I, when I moved to Nashville, I also got a job at like part-time a little bit and to supplement the music. And I also rejected promotions and I quit that job as soon as I felt like you know what, that's going to interfere with me doing my music thing full time. And I need to really focus on it. So sometimes people need to do it multiple times. I think I don't think it's a one time thing that can happen. But for me, it was it was maybe two times where I had to basically sacrifice and risk it, um, throw away the comfort for the dream. So my big Yeah, that's my advice to anybody who's trying to do what I what I'm doing or uh, 
you know, it, following their dreams. It's just, just, you have to risk, you have to take risks and you have to be uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is the best thing you can do. Uh, I think it, it brings, it brings out the truth, the truth, you know, it brings out the true person, you know, uh, uh, the warrior in you like if you're strong if you can really persevere that's where that part piece of you comes out and that's where it sh shines um it's in those situations it's not when you're comfortable and happy and making money and and sitting in your in your day job it's it's when you're backed up against the wall and you have no choice are you going to survive are you going to persevere and um i think you just have to you have to you have to take the chance, you know, I, you either, you either have the, the guts to risk it all or uh, you're too comfortable. I think comfortable, like I've said, comfortable a lot. I think that's, that's the, that's the best word for it. It's just get out of your comfort zone, take risks. It's like what every freaking Joe Schmo, uh, you know, these, these life coached people tell you, you know, it's like, take a risk, do it. No, 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 all that. Like, um, it, but it's true. I mean, that that's my story. You know, I, I, I risked it all and, um, I have a lot to show for it and I'm, and I'm happy with that decision. You know, I would never have done it differently if I did. Yeah. I would be working for a company and making money, but happiness is, is personal. You know, that's not happiness for me, you know? So if somebody's happiness is money, you know, money equals happiness for some people, then they, then that's what they do. They pursue the money. They follow the money path. For me, it's, uh, it's different. It's more fulfilling this creative, this need to be creative and express myself that way. And I need to do it on a daily basis to feel healthy, to feel good you know otherwise i get into a dark place um and that's another totally other side of a conversation the conversation but um we all have different reasons why we do things you know so uh, that's another part of it well max i i i really appreciate the time man and uh you're you're a husband you're a father and you're a gentleman and a scholar quite literally and figuratively so we'll we'll have to get you uh back on for for part two but um I really appreciate the time in. And again, uh, apart from all of the uh, the accolades and stuff that I wrote down here in my notes, man, um, I'm I'm grateful that our paths have crossed because uh, you know you you were very kind uh, the first time we spoke. Um, I enjoy heavy music, and uh, we didn't get into that on that on on this one, but uh, but I I know oh, you're yeah, you're well versed in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know I know you're well versed in that as well, but. Uh, but you did do you did do a song quick name drop you did do a song with uh Clint Lowry that people do need wow. to check out I mean this which um I and I'm saying I mean this but also the name of the song is literally I mean this and you guys just did a cool uh, you did a recently did a cinematic remix of that that uh that's really awesome but um but no man like you're you're a good dude and and this is why I like doing these doing these podcasts man when you get a chance to connect with people who um have like a shared love for something, but also are examples of people who push through uh, the difficult times and took that risk and, and are able to do what you love to do, man. I think it's a good example for people out there, whether they're into music or not, that uh, it's worth the risk. I think that's the big takeaway here. It's worth the risk. 
I think so. I think so. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate your time, man. And, and, uh, you know, you're, you're a great dude. You inspire me as well, um, with everything that you do. Um, so I, I hope that people, I hope that people listen to your podcast and get inspired, um, because, uh, it's really important and, uh, it, it makes the world a better place. So thank well, you. thank you, man. I, I really appreciate the kind words real quick. Let them know where they can find you. I'll share the links, but let them know where they can find what you're doing, man. If they, if they want to, they want to hit you up and chase, chase their dreams in Nashville, work with you, or just listen to your, to your beautiful piano work, man. Yeah. You can always look, uh, you can always keep up to date with me on Instagram. Um, I'm usually pretty active on there. Um, Max Gabriel, you know, uh, there's not many, <laughs> if you, if you find others spelt M A K S there may be, there may be M A X Max spelt like that. Mine's like a Russian, the Ru a Russian root, rooted name at Maxim M A K S I M. And so Max is a short version of Maxim. Um, so that's, yeah, that's where I'm at Instagram and, uh, yeah, you look, follow me. I'm very responsive. I love talking to people. I love responding to, to whether it's fans of the music or if it's, you know, artists that are looking to, uh, to do something, whether it's work on, you know, work on a song, get something produced and mixed, uh, musical parts. I love, I love working with people, um, good people and, uh, yeah. That's about it. Max, I appreciate the time, man. Go go, go back to the to, to the family stuff. But uh thank you again, dude. I I again I know I've said it a lot, but I'm not short of my thank yous. And uh thank I mean you. it from right here, brother. It's 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 good to connect with good people out here. And uh shout out to Johnny for for getting us in touch uh initially sure. several months back, man. Uh but keep doing your thing, man. Let's let's definitely keep in touch. Thank you, brother. You take care. Alrighty, righty there you have it. That was my conversation with Max Gabriel. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram at Max underscore Gabriel. And once again, that is spelled M-A-K-S. The links to all of his stuff will be in the podcast description for this episode. So just scroll down to the bottom of that podcast description. Hit those links as I hit my table and uh, go follow and support my dude, Max. I'm I'm a goofball. Uh, the guy is is awesome. I mean, what can I say, man? Uh, you guys heard in that conversation about his story, his journey to this point, growing up and learning and relearning piano. Um, and again, in addition to that, I said producer and songwriter, which is what he is. But, you know, dude is a multi-instrumentalist. He's got a great voice. And as you guys just heard, I, I think on top of all of that, he's a kind, humble cat. And, uh, you know, I could go on for days, man. Um, but, but it's just really cool when you come across people who are talented, when you come across people who are creative and, and for me on a personal level, when I meet people who are kind, um, and I meet people who, who also share a love of music, it's kind of like that Spider-Man meme, you know what I mean? Like where you're just excited to meet like-minded individuals. Uh, we have a shared love for seven dust, one of my favorite bands. Um, he has done work with Clint Lowry from seven dust. Who's one of my favorite guitarists ever. And, uh, also. I know it's a little name droppy. He was also a former guest of the pod. Shout out, Clint. Thank you for your time as well. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, Max is just a really awesome dude, a really humble cat. 
and I really appreciate his his time. So I just want to say directly to Max, thank you so much, dude, for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story with myself and the listeners. I greatly appreciate it, man. And uh, again, man, I just I feel really fortunate that our paths crossed. It's 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 awesome when you come across good people, and your story is very inspiring to me to keep going and keep chasing my dreams. And I hope it inspires all of you out there to keep going and chasing your dreams as well. So I'm going to put a button on all of this uh, because I don't want to rant too much. And I I felt like I, I ranted a little bit in the intro, but I had to give my dude Max his flowers. But once again, go follow him on Instagram at Max underscore Gabriel. The links to all of his stuff, including his website, will be in the podcast description for this episode. So you can learn more about all of the cool television shows that work he's done with artists that he's worked with have been on Instagram. He shares all the stuff uh, of all the artists that he's working on, which I think is really cool too. You know, he's just as excited for them as they are for their own stuff. And that's really what you want to see, man, is you want to see people, you know, spread love. And, and uh, again, I love music and I think it's rare when you come across uh, kind hearted people who, who, uh, who happen to love music as well, man. So I feel like he's a, He's a great dude, and I'm just uh, I'm really grateful to be able to do shows like this and give you guys this content. So once again, if you want to follow me and check out my stuff and my goofball self, you can follow me on Instagram at March4thPod, on YouTube at March4thPod, TikTok is at March4thPodcast. Uh, I'm getting a little bit better with the video editing stuff. I'm trying, man. I'm trying to do my thing here with these clips. Um, and uh, yeah, and if you liked what you heard, tell a friend to tell a friend. Like and subscribe, share all of those things. They they go a long way in helping the show get out to more people, man. And uh, you can find me on IG a lot. That's where I, I'm a lot as far as the social media end of things. So if you want to reach out and connect, uh, I will get back to you. Um, it might take a minute. Sometimes, you know, I don't see stuff. I'm not on there all the time, but uh, I do take pride in being communicative and communicating clearly and getting back to people, especially when they have kind things to say. So... Yeah, dudes. And for all of you out there, man, again, make this your best year yet. I feel like every year we all say that, right? But for real, just seize the day, man. Just like Max was talking about in the conversation, we all, we all get an opportunity. Um, and I don't think this part of it was on the actual conversation because we talked for like 30, 40 minutes before I even hit record. But one thing that Max said that really stuck with me, and I'll leave you all with this, is time is the one thing we don't get more of. You know, so keep that in mind, man. Make this your best year yet. Don't let anybody tell you who you are. Uh, you know, love yourself, love others, keep the faith, and be kind to one another. Courtesy of Max. This is his song with the aforementioned Clint Lowry. This is the cinematic remix version of I Mean This. Peace. I see the light in you now You fall apart like a dream They wanna water you down But I like watching you dream Oh, let's see that magical gaze Yeah, you used to have the soul of a saint but I see that dread all over your face, that beautiful face. Oh no, I am forever and I mean this endlessly. Oh. 
You know